Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. I stopped last time I was talking about we're talking about giving God's word final authority in your life, but we're also talking about returning God's word to him. And I stopped, and so I'm going to share with you for a few minutes, and then I'm going to give you a very vital principle for your own life. First of all, let's review in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God the same in the beginning. In him was life, and his life was the light of men. And the word was made flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. He is the word and the word is him. You cannot separate the two. In Revelation 19, it says he wears a robe dyed by dipping in blood and the title by which he is called is the word of God. Now we know that the robe dyed by dipping in blood is the blood of Jesus, but it goes beyond that. It also contains the blood of all the enemies he has defeated. And the story goes in Isaiah 6 when Isaiah saw the Lord and his train filled the temple. And the sages said that on that train, can you imagine how big, how wide, how glorious that train was, was the name written of every enemy he had defeated. And that's every enemy. And that train fills the temple. And when the seraphim saw it, they cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. Why? Because he is the risen Christ. He has defeated every foe and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Not against you, not against your children, not against your grandchildren, not against your great-grandchildren, period. And so I started this by saying, if you suffered a loss and you buried someone you love so very, very much, I haven't even gotten to do that yet. That'll be Saturday. You sow that as a seed and know there will be an abundant harvest and that will dry up your tears faster than anything ever could. Sow your suffering as a seed. Don't sit there and feel sorry for yourself and woe is me and poor me and how could this happening? And don't you care? Jesus said, you will have tribulation, not you might, not you could. If you see somebody, this is what I cannot stand about the, call the highlight reels on Facebook. Or not, no, it's not Facebook, it's that other thing. Instagram. Absolutely can't stand it. You really think all these people live a perfect life? (laughs) No, they don't. No problems. I'm rich, I'm famous, my kids are blessed, my grandchildren are blessed, my clothes are blessed. I don't wear anything but the biggest designers because I am special. No, that's a deception. I've had movie stars sit on my sofa. I had lunch at Horseshoe Bay with a very, very, very famous person. I'm not going to name them. You know what I found out? They cry from the same tear ducts we do put the pants on the same way, I can honestly tell you with all of my heart, I absolutely do not hold anybody in that kind of esteem. 
Without Jesus, every one of us are broken. We are irreparably broken without Jesus, every one of us, every one of us. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. My word is truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth. His word is the truth. He is the word, period. So last time we looked at Isaiah 55, and, and it says that his word will not return to him void without accomplishing what he desires and without succeeding in the matter for which he sent it. And the result is a reversal of the curse of Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14, or excuse me, 15 through 60, I don't know, 66 or something like that. 1 through 14 is the blessing of Abraham. And then after that, it starts with everything listed under the curse. And by the way, while I'm saying that, you can tell, I mean, I've already gotten very off script today, which is fine with me. I only want to do and say what he does and says. But when I woke up this morning, I sat down to pray. And I heard, and I say this all the time, and you know the scripture in Psalm 107, 1 and 2, give thanks to the Lord for the Lord is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. But then verse 2 says, let the redeemed, who are the redeemed? Those purchased by the blood of Jesus. They have made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom the Lord has redeemed or purchased from the hand of the enemy. And I saw, I mean, I saw it like I can see this row. I saw the enemy's hand open and everything in his hand was the curse. Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, shortage, depression, anxiety, and worry, and bitterness, and anger, and revenge, and you name it. It was all in the enemy's hand whom the Lord has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And then he said, you must resist what the enemy tries to hand you. And I wrote in my journal, resist, resist, resist. The apostle James said, submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So every time I resist what the enemy is handing me, I'm submitting to God. You know how that expression, what is that expression? Oh, help me, Jesus. Uh, Oh, I've been handed a bad lot. Isn't that it? Something like that. Well, guess what? If you've been handed a bad lot, what are you doing about it? (laughs) I had a On Saturday, my grandson is in, one of my grandsons, Caleb, is in that, what is it, club, soccer, club, sports, whatever they are. So he's in club soccer, and um, the other team didn't show up. And it it was because the coach had not gotten notification that the game time had changed. They were gonna show up, but, so because of that, the game was forfeited, and so the kids were, let's play against the dads. Bad idea. You got all these young strapping boys and, and then the dads. And so one little boy fell and my son-in-law, Tony, who is a multiple Ironman, I don't know how many Ironman he's 
successfully completed, but and more half Ironmans than I can count. And you know what an Ironman is, right? You run a marathon, you swim, so I don't know, is it how many miles, 3.2 miles? Something like that. And then you bike 112 miles. If I get that wrong, then... So I'm always ribbing him and going, well, you might be a physical Ironman, but I'm a spiritual Ironman, and I can whoop you any day. And um, anyway, in order to avoid falling on this boy and hurting him, he fell away and he tore his patellar tendon. And if you don't know what that is, neither do I. But, but it's the tendons that hold your kneecap in place. You know, this thing right here, you, it, hold, you, it holds it right here. And it totally severed it. And his kneecap went into his thigh. It's a gross picture. I've seen it. And um, end result, I mean, he's having surgery the day before my sister's funeral. Don't tell me about your problems. And for six months, he can't run, bike, or swim. And that's something he does every day. It's a six-month recovery. So can you imagine for somebody that is that active? But I went right over there and I said, I'm telling you right now, we're going to turn the table on the enemy. Because what the enemy means for evil, God means for good. And if you, you, I'm talking to you, do not have that attitude, you will be overcome by your adversities. Before my sister went to heaven, she watched that movie, The Shack, again. And I want to do that. I haven't watched it in a long time. But with tears in her eyes, she looked at me and she said there was a scene where the man, again, I have not watched it in a long time, so if I get this wrong, I'm pretty close. And I don't know if it was the person playing the Holy Spirit or Jesus. But he asked the question about why he couldn't really get free, about what had happened in the murder of his daughter. And the, the answer was, because you don't really believe that God is good. And I'm going to watch it again just for that. Because I'm telling you, that's one of the enemy's greatest tricks. Isn't that what happened in the Garden of Eden? Well, now I'm going to paraphrase. If God is good, why wouldn't he let you eat from that tree? God knows if you eat of it, you'll be like him, knowing good and evil. No, God knows if you eat of it, you will experience the curse. He was trying to protect them, not hurt them. But the enemy will always feed you that lie that God is withholding from you. I am totally not doing my message today. So, all right. So, I'm going to skip around. Thank you for being patient with me and giving me grace. Let's look at Mark 4. Get some more word in here. Now, in Mark 4, Jesus taught them a parable about the word of God. And he told them, if you don't understand this parable, you won't understand any of them. So it is critical that you and I understand the parable of the sower and the seed. So let's just read it. This is Mark 4. I'm going to do verse 3, 9 through 20, and 26 through 33. Jesus said, Jesus, Jesus said, give attention to this. What does that mean? It means you better pay attention. 
Behold, what does that mean? Look, a sower went out to sow. Because there is nothing in our lives that happens without a seed, ever. Everything begins with a seed. Whether it's the seed of your words or a financial seed that you plant or an act of kindness that you do, words that you sow, everything begins with a seed, everything. It's a law. In Genesis, it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest remain. Now, what we don't get is that seed time, there's time between the seed and the harvest. And very often we abort the harvest. How do you do that? Worry, fear, ungodly anger. You know, the only one we're to be angry at is the work of the enemy, not the people. And I live in a state of divorce, not my husband. We're at 49 years, and we are definitely going for the gold and beyond. But I'm going to tell you right now, I divorce myself from judging people and fault-finding because I recognize the spiritual force behind what they do. So if you get all mad about this figure and that figure and that party and this party and that platform and that platform, you're seeing wrong. you got to look beyond that. There are principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and spiritual forces in the heavenly places at work. So rather than getting all mad at the people, get mad at what's inciting them. And yeah, we have a choice. But I'm just going to choose not to to judge. I can tell you that because it scares the dickens out of me. I don't want to be judged. All right. So then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him be hearing. And as soon as he was alone, those who were around him with the 12 apostles began to ask him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been entrusted the mysteries of the kingdom of God, the secret counsels of God, which are hidden from the ungodly. But for those outside of our circle, everything becomes a parable in order that they may indeed look and look, but not see and perceive and may hear and hear, but not grasp and comprehend. Lest happily they should turn again and in their willful rejection of the truth should be forgiven them. So he did this out of mercy. Because if you hear and hear and see and see, and you refuse to hear and see, you enter into judgment. So out of the mercy of Jesus, I'm just going to let my followers understand this. Here you go. He said, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all the parables? Okay, so this parable is the key to unlocking all of them. Listen, the sower sows the word. Word is capitalized. Who is the word? Jesus. The ones along the path are those who have the capital W-O-R-D, sown in their hearts, but when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown to them. Rick preached a powerful message on hope on Sunday. We got in the car, Randy goes, boy, that was a good message. On hope being a divine expectation of good. I guarantee you there were people all over the audience that immediately Satan snatched that word, and they went back into fleshly hope Fleshly hope is I wish. Godly hope is I believe. 
and expect it's going to happen because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is the foundation of your faith. So immediately Satan comes and he snatches the word. In the same way, the ones sown upon the stony ground are those when they hear the word, now they heard it, and listen, they receive it at once and they accept it and they welcome it with joy. These are the people that go, hallelujah, that was such a good word. They have no real root in themselves. So they endure for a little while. And listen, this is one of the most important things you can understand. When trouble or affliction arises on account of the word. So you get your promise, you receive it with joy and hallelujah choruses. And what happens immediately? The devil will send trouble and affliction. Why? Are you ready? They are offended. They become indignant and displeased and resentful. And they stumble and they fall away. Why? Because they got the word. They were so excited. They received it with joy. But then trouble came to snatch the word. And they got offended. I think one of the best messages I've ever heard in my life is when Rick teaches on offense. And he came out wearing rat traps all over his suit. His suit was, or mouse traps. I don't know the difference. Literally, the suit was filled with traps because that's what offense is it's the greek word scandalon it means a trap or a snare and satan sends those offenses why wake up it's to snatch the word you see how important this is but we read it oh it's on my daily reading Next, and one sown among the thorns are others who hear the word. And then the cares, here you go, anxieties of the world and the distractions of the age and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and the passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. So what happens? You get the word, oh, wow, I'm so excited. And then all the cares of the world and the anxieties and the trouble. And, and this is what gets me, the distractions Amen. of the world. Amen. Choke it yes. and suffocate it so that it doesn't bear fruit. Amen. I have, in, in these months leading to my sister's departure, literally I would start getting texts at 645 in the morning. Not that it stopped. And I mean, it would go on till 10 a.m. And I had to look because, I mean, we were in an emergent state. And if you've been with me, you know, during, before, three, four, four weeks, four weeks. Yeah. I, on January, yeah. On January 13th, my mother fell, my 91-year-old mother fell, broke her femur was in university hospital for a week and then, you know, it's been a, lots of fun. And uh, on February 11th, my sister departed and both on Saturday. So it's literally one month apart. I mean, that's a whole lot of trauma in one month. Amen. And so, but am I traumatized? No. No. Why? I have not allowed the word to be snatched from my heart. 
And you don't have to either. And if for no other reason, I'm here to tell you that. I can look at many of you and I see you have endured much hardship, but I'm here to tell you, sisters and brothers, you don't have to live in that place of adversity. I love what Rick says. Adversity is the breakfast of champions. And I don't know and I don't care who coined the phrase, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But it's true. It's so true. And so I really think that social media... Every aspect of social media, the delusion of glamour. We just talked about the highlight reels and the influencers. You know, uh, what was it? I think I saw it with one of my grandchildren. It was a Lego movie. I think it was Lego. And, and he sang this song, everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a dream or team. Everything is awesome. Well, it's not. Everything's not awesome. And it's not awesome with all their grandeur and everything is designer and I'm just rich as you can name. Well, all that does is snatch the word. I won't do it. In fact, it's kind of put a whole new perspective on everything. For me, where clothing is concerned, and I mean, you should see how I've been leaving the house lately. It would upset you. I'm just telling you. (laughs) I do wear lipstick, though. I told my kids, you better put lipstick on me when I die. (laughs) Otherwise, my perspective has changed. I refuse, absolutely refuse to allow the desire for things, the deceitfulness of riches, false glamour, the distractions of the age, cares and anxieties to suffocate the word in me. I, I refuse to. And if you don't make a conscious choice to do that, the word's going to be suffocated. And the fourth heart, these are four hearts. Those sown on the good, well-adapted soil are those who hear the word, receive the word, accept the word, who is Jesus, welcome Jesus the word, and bear fruit some 30 times, some 60 times as much, and even 100 times as much. If you understand this, you understand all parables. They're all about seed. Listen. And he said, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed. Here we go again. And I hope you and I are those people that are always scattering seed. Rick's former assistant, Judy Orr, she was his assistant for 38 years. One of the most remarkable women I've ever known. Miss her so much. Amen. She said Rick would walk into the office every day and he would say, Judy, who can I bless today? That should be our attitude. Who can I bless today? It could be with things. It could be with a word of encouragement. Could be with a note. And by the way, thank you with all my heart for your cards and letters and flowers. You've been amazing. It means so, so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. And if I don't personally thank you, just know, thank you. Let this be my thank you. I'm so grateful. Um, All right, where were we? Okay, so he scatters seed. And he continues sleeping and rising night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows and increases. He doesn't know how. The earth produces by itself. Here you go. First the blade, then the ear, and then the corn. Seed, time, harvest. 
But what many of us do is we keep checking the seed. Yeah, we go to the ground. We're going to dig up the seed, see if it's growing. No, you're going to kill it. You don't need to check your seed. Just trust that it was sown. First the blade, then the ear, then the corn. But when the grain is ripe and permits, immediately he sends forth the reapers and puts in the sickle because the harvest stands ready. And he said, what can we compare the kingdom of God? What parable should we use to illustrate it? It is like a grain of mustard seed. I brought mustard seeds before. They're itty bitty teeny weeny tiny seeds. But when it's sown, it's the smallest of all seeds in the earth. And yet, after it's sown, it grows up, it becomes the greatest of all garden herbs, and he puts out, it puts out large branches so that the birds of the air are able to make nest and dwell in its sh shade. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, and they were able, this is his disciples only, to hear and comprehend and understand. So be a sower and sow the word of God. I cannot tell you, because I have lost count, the number of people that have come to me some decades later and they said this to me, remember the word you would always share with me? Yeah. And they would tell me the fruit it produced. I had no idea. When we were in college, we had a couple. We lived in married student housing at A&M. And we would go play tennis every night with this couple. And then we would go to this place called Burger Hut. And we would get vanilla Cokes, which absolutely horrifies me because I will not touch a Coke. I'm sorry. <laughs> All you have to do is put a dirty penny in it and see what it does to the penny and just think that's what it's doing to your gut. But that's me. And so well, we would have a vanilla Coke and then we would go back to our little apartment and she and I would lay on our bed and we would talk for hours. Many decades pass. They, they move on. I don't know where they want to live. And we, you know, we move on. We moved to San Antonio and I saw her. And she said, you know, all those nights we would lay on your bed and you would talk. And I was a brand new Christian. I went, yeah. She goes, well, I wasn't saved. I didn't know that. Because there's a lot of church people. And they talk churchianity. But don't assume. But I was a brand new Christian. I didn't know better. And so I, she said, you would just talk the word. She said, I wasn't saved. But through you doing that, I gave my heart to Jesus. I had no idea. Well, what happens? It's like a seed when sown. It sprouts and it covers the earth. So don't ever be ashamed to share your testimony. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, who is Jesus, which lives and abides forever. Don't dig up your seed. It's incorruptible. This is one of my favorites. 1 Peter 1.22, since by your your obedience to the truth, who is Jesus, who is the word, through the Holy Spirit, you have purified your hearts for the sincere love of the brethren. See that you love one another fervently from a pure heart. You have been regenerated, not from a mortal origin, seed, or sperm, but from one that is immortal by the ever-living and lasting word of God, who is Jesus. Now, here's what I love about this. You have been regenerated. Do you know what the word regenerated means? It means regened. And I cannot tell you what it does to me when people say this to me, and I hear it all the time. 
Well, my grandmother had osteoporosis, and my mother had osteoporosis, so I'm going to get it too. Well, that's not what my Bible says. See, Didi's a nurse. She'll tell, people say it all the time. My mother had multiple miscarriages. My grandmother, so I'm going to have them too. My father had heart disease. My grandfather died of a heart attack. My great-grandfather died of a heart attack. And I've got a bad heart. Not me. I'm just telling you what people say. I've heard this. Well, you will too. But my Bible says I was born over again and I was regenerated, regened by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I refuse to accept it. Does that mean it won't come on you? No, it probably will. But you know what? You don't take what he hands you. That's all the devil has to hand you is the curse. Resist it. Well, bipolar runs in the family. Well, it doesn't run in my family. I declare health runs in my family. I declare the generational blessing in my family. I declare the sound of rejoicing is in the tents of the righteous. Does that mean you won't have trials? No, you will. I'm living proof. But I also know that trials have a shelf life. And I'll tell you what I love. The Bible says about the children of Israel under slavery, the more they oppressed them, the stronger they grew. If your children are suffering an oppression today, you just to get up and you say, devil, the more you oppress my child, the stronger my child will grow. Yes. I'm not having it. And I've told many, many, many times, Cindy will remember this story. Remember when Wendy McDonald used to come to our original back on Bandera? And I'll never forget, she was serving the devil with all of her being. I've told this before, but I love, love, love it. And one night she told her mama, who was a pastor, who she and her husband pastor a church in South Africa. She told her mama she was going to go spend the night with a friend, but she was really going to a drug party. And she took, I think it was LSD. I, I know they have designer drugs these days. I don't really know anything about them. I've never touched an illegal drug. I've never taken an illegal drug. I am way too controlling for that, let me tell you. <laughs> I don't want to be out of control. And, and I, because I don't want to be out of choice because I've yielded my will to Jesus. I'm not yielding my will to forbidden things. I, I don't drink alcohol for that reason. If you do, it's fine. I mean, it's legal, but I, I don't want my mind altered in any way. And so, so that's just me. Okay. I love you. you can do what you want. And so she took, I think, I think she said it was LSD, and she thought she could fly. So she went to the window to, to jump out. That's how people die. And you hear every day about people dying from drug overdoses. And her mother was asleep. It was like 1 or 2 in the morning. And all of a sudden she was awakened, and there was a black shrouded figure. It was a spirit of death at the foot of her bed. And it said, I'm killing your daughter tonight. And she shot up in bed and she said, no, you're not because you have to get through me. And I plead the blood of Jesus. And that thing goes, can't stand in the face of the blood of Jesus. The blood has a voice. And her daughter, Wendy, Cindy and I are hearing this firsthand. I'm on the front row. 
she tries to throw herself out the window. A strong wind blows her back. A supernatural wind. She falls backward on the floor and gives her life to Jesus. So don't you tell me that your prayers don't carry weight. Don't you give up on your children. Don't you do it. So we've been regenerated by the word of God who is Jesus. Verse 25, all, or 24, all flesh is like grass. All its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower drops off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the good news which was preached to you. I told my son-in-law when I first met him, he was just real like buff, 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 buff. And he still, he has honestly very, very fit. But because of all the running and the, all that, you know, he's very slender. And he'll remain that way. But now what all he can do for six months is an upper body workout. I said, oh, good. You're going to be like you were when you were that lifeguard. When I saw the finger of God pointing at you. you everybody wants an encouraging mother-in-law like me. Revelation 19, 11 and 21, 5. I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he was riding it is called faithful and true. And he who sits on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. Every word of God is faithful and true. Deuteronomy 6, 23, he brought us out from there to bring us in, to give us the land which he has sworn to give our fathers. When God brings you out from someplace and you don't understand it, it's only because he's going to bring you in to your promised land. Yes, there's a wilderness in between. Yes, there are enemies in the wilderness, but yes, God's plan is greater and he's going to bring you in. I'll never, 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 never forget. And Pam's not with us today, but years and years and years ago, Randy worked for Jim Williams and he was the comptroller. Well, the company got bought out. And if you know anything about when a company gets bought out, the first thing that the buyers want to do is bring their own financial people in. That's just the way it works. And I remember Randy going to lunch with Jim one day, and he said to him, he said, um, are you being told to let me go? The Holy Spirit had already prompted Randy. Jim started crying. He's a really tenderhearted, great guy. He's one of our elders. He started crying, and he said, I don't want to. They're making me. And Randy said, no, it's okay. The Lord already prepared me. And he came home and told me, well, I wasn't godly at all. I absolutely had the biggest fit. You don't ever want to see me have the biggest fit. It's not pretty. I had the biggest fit you can even imagine. And I mean, I cried, I wept, I blamed, I was angry. I mean, I just want to be real with you. And this is one reason that I don't stand in awe of people ever. Because we're all human. And unsubmitted to the spirit of God, we're all going to act crazy. Now, I've matured a lot since then. I mean, I was in my 20s. I was in my 20s. That's my excuse. (laughs) And I remember falling on my knees and just sobbing and complaining and telling God how awful these people were and how could anything like this happen and justifying my righteousness and all those really godly things. 
And then I was quiet long enough to do what I shared last week. And hear the voice of the Lord in the silence. Not in the earthquake. Not in the hurricane. In the silence. And he simply said, send them flowers and thank them for the employment. And once again, as I shared earlier, I was the son that said, I will not. But I did. I finally said, okay, now in those days, we didn't have email and, you know, order online. That was not even considered. And you had to remember telephones when you had to pick up a phone with the... And I picked up the phone and I got out the yellow pages. Anybody know what that is? All the while telling the Lord that he wasn't very smart because we didn't have a job and he's telling me to order flowers. Now, if you've ever ordered flowers, they are not cheap. But I did it and I let the Lord dictate. And I said, I want, Randy and I want to thank you for the wonderful opportunity we've given you, you've given us, and just to tell you we appreciate you and we love you. I, and believe me, I did it through gritted teeth. And the next day, I get a phone call, and it was Pam. And she said, in a broke, very broken voice, she's not even here to defend herself. She said, I want to thank you for sending flowers and for what you said. She said that in itself was something. But then to tell us that you love us, and she burst into tears and hung up on me. <laughs> True story. It was not a week before we had a better job with better pay and better opportunities that ultimately led to Randy being able to, he had so many clients coming to him saying, will you do my taxes on the side? Will you do my taxes on the side? Will you do my taxes on the side? And before long, he came to me and he said, I have enough on the side business. I want to start my own practice. And then I went back into (laughs) my immature, fleshly mode, fine, We will never be able to buy our children Christmas presents, but it's okay. If that's what God is saying. You know, we've never not bought our children Christmas presents. We've never begged bread. We've always been tithers. Never missed giving seed ever. We have tithers rights. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. Why? Because of obedience to the word of God, who is Jesus. And I just want to encourage you. And I'm not done, but I'm done because I I just believe God wants me to stop. I'm going to just share this last scripture. And by the way, I also want to encourage you. I brought them today. I woke up the other morning and I started hearing these scriptures. I heard Nahum 1. 13 and 15, now I will break his yoke from off you and burst your bonds asunder. 
The wicked counselor will no more come against you or pass through your land. He is utterly cut off. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cast out your enemy. The king, the Lord, is in the midst of you. You will not fear or experience evil anymore. The Lord God is in the midst of you. A mighty one, a savior who saves, he'll rejoice over you with joy. He'll be silent. He won't make no mention of the way you acted when you were a young woman. I added that part. <laughs> and then I heard John 4, 50. It's right after my sister passed. And the man put his trust in what Jesus said and started home. And you know, so I had it all hard copied. I'm declaring it every day. Get the word in you. Yeah. Make it your final authority. Quit groveling in defeat and despair and tears and snotty nose. His word is truth. He will accomplish his word. It will not return empty. And instead of the curse, thorns and thistles, the myrtle and the cypress will come up. My son-in-law case is, my son-in-law case is from Oregon. His mother's with the Lord now. But she would always say, call Oregon. I've never been there. Katie's been there. She says it's really beautiful. I mean, when you leave Texas, you see what real trees look like. Or I guess you could go to, what is that place in Houston that has the beautiful trees? What's it called? Huh? Yeah, the woodlands. That's it. But I remember taking our youngest daughter to, North, to Charlotte, North Carolina. And when she saw the trees, she said, why didn't? Why doesn't Texas have these kind of trees? I said, well, because God was tired when he made Texas. I have no idea. That's not true, but I have no idea. No idea whatsoever. Is it the water? Is that why? Is that why my very expensive landscape froze <laughs> and died? I'm telling you, I'm not doing it anymore, Vita. Don't let me. I'm not going to keep putting money into it, I'm telling you. But when you hear scripture, write it down. I remember years ago, I was really discouraged one day. It's back when we were on San Pedro. I came to church. I was sitting in the front rows during praise and worship. And Rick had, uh, Ron Corzine, his very dear friend, was preaching. Ron walks up to me. He doesn't know anything about me, not a word. He walks up to me and he said, I just want you to know that the Lord spoke Hebrews 6.10 to me for you today. And it says, God is not unjust to forget your labor of love that you have shown in his name. And yeah, it was all I needed. One word from God will lift you out of the pit of despair and worry. Get in the word. I'm going to close with Psalm 33 and then read something to you. And we're done. Psalm 33, 4, for the word of the Lord is right. It's because it's Jesus. And all his work is done in faithfulness. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood. Here's the passion. For God's word is something to sing about. He is true to his promises. His word can be trusted and everything he does is reliable and right. Now, here's where we mess up. Second Kings 5.10. Elisha sent a messenger to Naaman saying, remember Naaman was covered with leprosy. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you will be clean. But Naaman was angry. Why? 
Because he had ordered Elisha to come in person and pray. And Elisha said, no. I'm going to tell you something really dumb. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman was angry. But you know what? Just like I told you, I'm the son that says no, but then does it. Naaman did it. So often we miss out on what God wants us to do because he doesn't do it the way we think he should. We work up an idea in our minds about how he's going to heal us, for instance. We think he's going to send some famous preacher to lay hands on us. Or that he's going to knock us off our feet with a blast of his power. And when he doesn't, we let our faith drop and foul up what he actually planned to do. And that's what Naaman did. He went to Elisha expecting to be healed in a particular way. And when it didn't happen that way, he went away in a rage. When Eli- what Elisha told him to do was simple. Dip seven times in the Jordan. And Naaman could do that. But it didn't fit his idea of how his healing should happen. He thought Elisha would heal him by waving his hand around and calling on the name of the Lord. And Naaman stormed away and he would have missed out on his healing if one of his servants hadn't talked him into giving Elisha's instructions a try. I used to be like that. I wanted spectacular experiences from God. So badly I was missing out on the experiences God had planned for me. And once I realized that, I quit looking for feelings and spectacular manifestations. And I just started expecting God to keep his word. I remember I went to a meeting one night with my ankle messed up terribly. And the pain was so severe, it went from my foot all the way up to my shoulder blades. But I went into that meeting expecting God to heal me. And during the praise service, I ignored the pain in my foot. And I just sang and I worshiped with everyone else. And when the preaching started, I got my Bible and I got so involved in the word. And sure enough, sometime during that service, I was healed. I don't know when it was. I didn't feel anything. I didn't see any sparklers go off. I didn't even realize I'd been healed until after the service was over. I got halfway to the door and I thought, glory to God, my foot is well. Don't let your own ideas of how God's going to work rob you of your healing or your deliverance or your prosperity. Just trust him and let him do things his way and he will work mightily in you. And here's the moral of the story. Listen carefully to me. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Don't tell God when, and don't tell God how. Just return his word, trusting that his word does not return empty without accomplishing what he desires and without succeeding in the matter for which he sent it. Lord, I thank you that your word is truth. You cannot lie. You do not lie. You will not lie because you cannot lie. And I pray, Father, for every one of us that we will have the endurance and the tenacity and the persistence to stay on it and stay with it until it's done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.